0: Good evening, everyone, and thank you again for joining us for the last of the spring 2007 model lecture series. This evening's lecture is being given by Professor Sugiyoka, who is a professor at Ryukoku University in Kyoto. We've had the benefit of his uh, presence here at the IDS this year. He's going to leave and uh, working particularly with Reverend Massimo, uh, on a course, a couple of courses, if I remember correctly. Um, And I first met Tsipioka-sensei in Oregon last summer at a conference at the University of Oregon at Eugene on Buddhism and psychology, where he was one of the presenters and one of the participants in that conference. Uh, Professor Tsipioka has been at Rio University for about 10 years now. Uh, he's in the Faculty of Letters, uh, specifically in the Shinshi, the uh, Department of Shinshi Studies. His area of specialization is hermeneutics and metaphor. Uh, hermeneutics is, is the study of how one goes about interpreting things. It's not simply the activity of, inter- of interpreting things, but asking how do you go about interpreting things. For example, specifically in this case, the writings of Shenron Shanyin, How do we interpret those uh, for the present day? So this is moving beyond a historical or textual approach to asking the relevance of the teachings in the present world. He has several publications in Japanese, uh, working particularly in the areas of uh, the application of modern European or continental philosophy. Uh, 19th and 20th century figures, such as Schleiermacher, Nietzsche, Heidegger, Gottler, Ricoeur, um, the very big names that academics uh, whack each other up alongside the head with from time to time. And uh, it's quite impressive that he's able to work with those um, in relationship to contemporary Buddhist thought. Um, and with that, I would like to ask Professor Sugioka to Welcome to the
1: lecture. Begin this presentation. Good evening, everyone. Uh, I was introduced just now, and um, Takanoi Sugiyoka at Yuku University in Japan. Uh, first, it is great pleasure to be able to get an opportunity to speak here at the uh, Numata Lecture. Uh, But I feel a little embarrassed by uh, Dr. Payne's (laughs) overestimation in my introduction. Uh, Because one thing he forgot to tell about me is my English is uh, not very well. (laughs) So, uh, although I've been living in uh, Albany uh, near the Berkeley cities uh, last August, uh, my English could not be better uh, compared with my. Uh, family. Uh, my, uh, my daughter always collects uh, errors in my uh, English pronunciation, uh, that are uh, uh, very, very is a fruit. Very, okay? <laughs> I, know, I know, I know. But I can't do that. So, um, unfortunately, uh, today's is uh, my English teacher, uh, she's not here. Uh, <laughs> so <laughs> I feel a little uh, nervous. Uh, but uh, <clears throat> today I believe that uh, Matsumoto Sensei uh, has my limited English and uh, mix-up uh, for my lecture after my speech. Okay, uh, let me speak right away without a uh, long introduction. Uh, does anyone have a handout for my presentation? Eight pages, okay? okay uh, in my lecture today, entitled, "Metaphors in China." Metaphors in Shindang. I'd like to discuss the significance of metaphor in Shindang's thought. Uh, among the many metaphors Shindang uses in his writings, I will particularly focus on his ocean metaphors, which can be considered as a cornerstone of his thought. The manifest of ocean in Shinran's writings has already been studied by many Japanese and American Shin scholars. Uh, for example, Shigaraki Sensei uh, at Ryukoku University, and Yasutomi Shinya Sensei uh, at uh, OTAN University, and uh, Taitetsu Uno Sensei, and Ken Tanaka. Dr. Ken Tanaka, do you know? Um, in this lecture, I'd like to present my understanding of the ocean metaphors, not only my examining Sin writings, but also through reflecting on Sin life experiences. The okay, first, uh, what is metaphor? What is metaphor? Before examining examine use of metaphor, I'd like to introduce briefly the definitions of metaphor and discuss the significance of metaphors in, in the uh, language we use every day. First, uh, let me talk about the significance of metaphors in our everyday use of language in general. Also, we use a lot of metaphor every day. Uh, probably uh, everyone used a lot of metaphor t- uh, today. Uh, typically, we don't think about the role of metaphor in what we said or write. But what is metaphor? What is metaphor? Uh, etymologically the word metaphor is composed of two Greek words. You know, meta and "philane, Meaning transcendent and carry, respectively. Therefore, metaphor in English literally means to carry something beyond. Something beyond. In Japanese, the word metaphor is translated as inyu, inyu, or uh, literally hidden comparison, hidden comparison. Uh, however, in philosophy and linguistics, that was long created uh, peripherally, if at all, and uh, metaphor has rather been considered a proper subject of the discipline of rhetoric, even since ancient times. For example, the Greek philosopher Aristotle, in his Poetics, uh, chapter uh, 21st, uh, he defines metaphor as follows. Uh, Now, would you look at uh, um, uh, quotation number one? The metaphor is the application of an alien name by transference, either from genus to species, or from species to genus, or from species to species, or by analogy, that is proportion. Aristotle's definition of metaphor as a transferred name is still the general sense of metaphor we continue to use today because uh, Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Of the strong association with rhetoric, we often think of metaphor simply as a decoration of language, or ornament of language, or as a device of poetic imagination. Naturally, some people think that they can get along perfectly well without using any metaphors. Even worse many positivist philosophers dismissed metaphors merely as uh, obstacles to understand facts because metaphors cannot directly state truth and are therefore deemed inessential. However, in the modern study of metaphor, metaphor is considered as uh, containing positive cognitive content. In short, Manifest say something new uh, about reality. Manifest says something new about reality. Uh, the innovative text, I think is Models and metaphors. by Max Brack in 1962. Uh, would you look like at uh, quotation uh, number two, okay? Uh, Max Black is an analytic philosopher in America. Uh, He opposes his interaction view of metaphor to the traditional comparison view of metaphor as in the Aristotle view. Uh, The interaction view sees metaphor as an intellectual operation with a cognitive import that is, metaphor is more than a mere substitution for another little world, which an existing paraphrase could restitute at the same place. Uh, Black's intellectual theory was developed as a tensional theory of metaphor by Paul E. Kuhl. He is a very important philosopher in the 20th century. And metaphor proceeds from the tension between all the terms in the metaphorical statement. Uh, we shall look at uh, um, next page, uh, quotation number three, okay. Uh, Likud says that metaphor is a momentaneous creation of language. Momentaneous means uh, maybe uh, instantaneous creation of language or semantic innovation, semantic innovation. Moreover, the intellectual theory uh, underlies much current work on metaphor, including George Lakoff and Mark Johnson, Metaphors metaphor we live by in 1980s. uh, George Leikov is a linguist in uh, UC Berkeley. Uh, We see uh, him on, uh, uh, we uh, sometimes see him on TV, very famous. And Mike Johnson is a. uh, philosopher at uh, Oregon University. Uh, since the publication of this book, the study of metaphor has been transformed into what may be called the new rhetoric movement. According to such new studies, metaphor is not just a matter of language. It is used widely in the process of our thinking and reasoning. Lakoff and Johnson argued, uh, number four, which you look at uh, number four, is pervasive in everyday life, not just in language, but in thought and action. Our ordinary conceptual system, in terms of which we both think and act, is fundamentally metaphorical in nature. The essence of metaphor is understanding and experiencing one kind of thing in terms of another. This uh, understanding is very different, very different from the classical model of metaphor. Lakoff and Johnson illustrate their theory of conceptual metaphor by using examples of things, things we hear every day, and we can easily imagine someone actually saying them. For example, they examine the metaphorical concept with a very common phrase. Uh, Number five, time is money, time is money. This metaphor is reflected in our everyday language in a widely variety of related expressions. For example, uh, you are wasting my time and uh, that flat tire cost me an hour and I have invested a lot of time in heart. You need to budget your time and uh, how do you spend your time these days. These expressions demonstrate, demonstrate that time in our culture is conceived of as a valuable commodity and a limited resource. We understand and experience time as a kind of thing that can be wasted, invested, or spent. The above expressions reveal that our idea of time is constructed at least in part, shows a concept of money. But there are other cultures uh, in which time is now these things related to money. Uh, Therefore, no metaphor can ever be comprehended independently of the user's experiential bias. Experiential bias. Thus most of our concepts are partially understood in terms of other concepts. From this fact, Lakoff and Johnson suggest that metaphors not only make our thoughts more vivid and interesting, but that they actually structure our perceptions and understanding. Furthermore, accordingly, Lakoff and Mark Turner Turner is uh, Professor of a cognitive uh, scientist. Uh, the right To study metaphor is to be confronted with hidden aspects of one's own mind and one's culture. Okay? To study metaphor is to be confronted with hidden aspects of one's own mind and one's culture. It's very interesting. In discussing metaphor, it is often useful to distinguish it from other closely related rhetorical concepts, uh, such as uh, mm, simile, metonymy, and uh, shinekudoki. Uh, we we'll just see the next page, okay? Uh, number six table. According to the general definition, the difference between metaphor and simile is that uh, simile, a simile makes a comparison explicit by using uh, like or as, like or as. Uh, That is a simile state that A is like B. A is like B. A metaphor in contrast states that A is B. Uh, for example, uh, uh, Dr. Payne is a lion. Dr. Payne is a lion, is a metaphor. Okay, The reality is Dr. Payne is like a lion. Like a lion is a Simile. Uh, some scholars categorize simile as a specific type of metaphor, in which case uh, a metaphor uh, becomes an, Ambler term for both concepts. Uh, the next metonymy. Metonymy is uh, broadly defined a trope in which one entity is used to stand for another associated entity. Uh, for example, when I say I bought a Toyota, I bought a Toyota. I mean that I I bought a car made by Toyota. I bought a Toyota, I mean that uh, I bought a car made by Toyota, and everyone knows that I can, I cannot buy Toyota, I cannot buy Toyota, actually I, now I drive a, a Ford, a Ford. Uh, I have to come to Japan this uh, August, so I have to buy my uh, Ford. So I'm looking for the person who uh, want to buy my car. <laughs> uh, anyway, um, uh, and uh, when someone says, uh, for example, Bush bombed Iraq, Bush bombed Iraq, the Bush in this statement Stand for the armed forces that President George W. Bush controls, and uh, he must take full responsibility for this matter. I think. And shinekudoki uh, shinekudoki is a kind of metonymy in which a specific part of something is taken to refer to the world. Uh, for example, when I say. There are a lot of good heads at IBS. There are a lot of good heads at IBS. It is a shinekudoki. It is a shinekudoki because the head, a part, is uh, made to stand for an entire person, a world. Lakoff and Johnson state, like metaphor, metonymic concepts like the part of, uh, like the part for the word, are uh, part of the ordinary, everyday way we think and act, as well as talk. In a broader sense, metanomy and shinekudoki are understood as types of metaphor. Based on the theory of Lakoff and Johnson, the Japanese linguist Seto Kenichi, Seto Kenichi even says, Even before the problem of language, metaphor must be understood epistemologically, epistemologically. Uh, As Leico van Johnson argued, uh, since metaphor is fundamental to human existence, it fulfills essential functions in various aspects of human life. Uh, when studying a religion, we find that metaphors are an essential part of religious expressions, not only in the religious scriptures, but also in religious rites and rituals. For example, some scholars have described Christianity as a religion of metaphor. Christianity as a religion of metaphor. But Metaphors are also extremely important in Buddhism. Uh, Shakyamuni, the historical Buddha, is said to have used metaphors in his Dharma discourses. In the um, Jyunibukyo, 12 divisions of the Buddhist scriptures, uh, for example, there is a category of scriptures called avadana, avadana, or uh, uh, metaphors sutras, metaphors sutras. abound in Mahayana sutras as well, illustrating highly abstract concepts such as emptiness and suchness or clarify difficult doctrinal points of discussions. Uh, the Nirvana Sutra uh, classifies metaphors into eight different types, eight different types. Uh, and the Garland Sutra, Kegungyo, uh, is a Mahayana Sutra, in which the entire narrative is a metaphor. Oh, okay. And and now, uh, Shinran's writings contain numerous metaphors. Numerous metaphors. Uh, one of the most famous metaphors are metaphors he used is a parable of the two rivers and the white path, uh, Niga Byakudo, Niga biakudo. as cited from the Chinese Pure Land Master Shantao's commentary on the Contemplation Sutra. And uh, Shina uses very many other metaphors as well to illustrate the working of Tathagata, Nyurai, or Amida Buddha using images images of light uh, sun moon doctor medicine ocean and so forth these metaphors on the working of the Tathagatas are often interconnected with each other. among these metaphors Light metaphors in particular deserve our attention. Light metaphors. In fact, light serves as a root metaphor across many cultures and historical periods. This is perhaps based on the simple fact that light eliminates things and uh, enables us to see them. Needless to say, the verb see also means to understand. See. See. In Buddhism, "right" is often used as a synonym for the wisdom. Light is often used as a synonym for wisdom, which cuts off uh, dichotomous thinking from its origin. In Shinran's thought, uh, the image of light is used as a synonym for compassion as well as wisdom. In notes on one's calling and many calling, Ichinem Tanem Moi. Please look at number eight. Okay. Shannon says, light is wisdom. Wisdom is the form of right. And he states in him of the Two Gateways, Niushutsu uh, Nimonge, number nine, Unhindered right is great compassion. This right is the wisdom of all the Buddhas. In addition to light, Shina also uses ocean metaphors. throughout throughout his work. Indeed, light and ocean may be considered the two key metaphors in his writings. I think light and ocean. metaphor is key in Shinran's thought. For example, at the beginning of the preface to his main work, uh, Kyogyo Shinsho, Teaching, Practice, Shinjin, and Realization, Uh, is number 10, okay. Uh, The universe bow difficult to fathom, is indeed a great vessel bearing us across the ocean. Difficult to reverse. The Ahindad light is the sun of wisdom, despising the darkness of ignorance. This, then, is the true teaching easy to practice for small, foolish beings. It is a straight way easy to traverse for the dull and ignorant. Among all the teachings, the great sage preached in his lifetime. Nan surpasses the ocean of virtues. These uh, beginning sentences of the first two paragraphs of the preface to the Kyo actually express the conclusion of Shinran's thought. Here, he describes the working of Amida Buddha bringing all sentient beings to awakening in terms of light and ocean light the ocean. It evokes an image of an darkened ocean into which light penetrates to illuminate an entire vista. Uh, for the spiritual seeker, these words are not a distant vision, but a present occurrence in which his own life is a sense of transformation that transformation is brought about through the ocean of virtues that is the buddha's wisdom. In this way ocean and light metaphors powerfully convey images of the foolish person's life, Amida's unhindered working and the wisdom and compassion that breathe the, uh, the Throughout. His writings, Shindai uses a variety of ocean metaphors. Uh, The next page, number 11. Uh, When we count all of the ocean metaphors in Shindai's writings, we find 32 different metaphors. 32 different metaphors. Mm, used in one hundred and uh, four and occurrences. Of course, Xinlan is not the only Buddhist thinker to use ocean metaphors, but the particular, what he put on these metaphors, in his writing is uh, evidenced by the fact that he doesn't use other common metaphors, such as mountain, which he used in only two places. only two places, and nearly as much as the other do. Uh What's amazing to me is Xinlan uh, was born uh, in Hino, Hino village. Hino village located uh, uh, around the mountain, around the mountain. And he, uh, and he practiced on Mount Hiei for 20 years. For twenty years, but he didn't use mountain metaphor, mountain metaphor, only two places. And furthermore, he master whole nation. He didn't use any ocean metaphor, even once in his main work, the Sencha Hongan Nembutsu. Shinran Master Hogen, he didn't use the ocean metal. Uh, it is hard to know how many people actually saw the ocean in Shinran's day. Assuming that it was far fewer than today, then Shinran must. Have used the idea of the ocean not as a meaning of making it easier to relate to or understand difficult religious concepts, but because it carried for him the significance of making clear the fundamental problem of the nature of sentient beings and Amida Buddha. Even if um, one has never seen the ocean, There is a profound connection between it and human beings. It is said that um, all of the 30 million species of animals living on Earth had their origins in the ocean over 3,800,000,000 years ago. The ocean is the home country. Furusato in Japanese of our life. Even the salinity, uh, the taste salt of human blood is said to be very close to that of the ocean. Uh, everyone everyone uh, know, uh, please try to do, uh, cut and taste it uh, like salt. Uh, Japan, the Japanese like many other Asian and Pacific Rim people, have relied uh, heavily on the ocean for food. We expect material and cultural innovations to come from overseas. And the most prominent of these arrivals was perhaps Buddhism itself. Uh, People across the world have used the ocean as a religious metaphor for thousands of years. Uh, of course, uh, Paul Ricoeur says, uh, we must examine the context of any metaphors usage. But first, I'd like to explore what the usual sense of ocean is, according to Adolf Ritz's to dictionary of symbols and imagery. Number twelve. Okay, the ocean has been used as a metaphor for the following things. I think the fourteenth. These various definitions show that there are two conflicting images of the ocean: positive and negative, or. Perhaps light and dark, light on the deck. Uh, based on this universal image of ocean, we can see the egalitarian, vast and all embracing nature of the ocean metaphor, in which we also see the symbol of eternity transcending human history or time itself. Uh, furthermore, the ocean is transcendentally silent and uh, has the ability to purify all defilement with true wisdom. On the other hand, the image of the limitlessness of the ocean is often associated with limitless desires and uh, is also associated with evil and uh, darkness. Evil and darkness. As uh, cited above in the preface to the Kyogyo Shinsho, Shinran uses two contrasting images of the ocean. Uh, the ocean difficult to traverse, and the ocean of virtues, uh, first the ocean difficult to traverse, reflects the pride of human existence. Second, the ocean of virtues <clears throat> is a metaphor with the working of Amida Buddha. That is to say, Shinran referred to both sentient beings and Amida Buddha, uh, that is, practitioners and Dharma using images associated with the single word ocean, single word ocean. Throughout his writings, um, please look at the uh, next page, number 13. Uh, Shinna uses many ocean metaphors, both for the practitioner and Dhamma. example, ocean of the multitude of living beings, ocean of sentient beings, ocean of life and death, ocean of ignorance, ocean of blind passions, immense ocean of desires and attachments, ocean of pain. And the other side, ocean of the one beacon, ocean of great wisdom, ocean of virtue treasure, Ocean of compassion. Ocean of the vow. Ocean of suchness. Ocean of true interesting, uh, Ocean of Shinjin. Well, how, how then does Shinran understand the relation between the two aspects of practitioner and Dharma? Practitioner and Dharma. Regarding the nature of the ocean of Dharma, Shinran discussed it as the ocean with one vehicle, Ichijokai, uh, in the chapter 1 practice of the Kyogyo Shinshō. Uh, please look at n- number 14. And uh, he also discussed the nature of ocean in the Kousou Wasan, uh, the next number 15 uh, Here Shinda makes use of two particular virtues of the ocean That ocean water has one taste one taste Kai Ichimi And that uh, urine will not hold dead bodies Fushuku Shigai one fist, and that is hold dead body. Uh, mm, the form expresses its uh, one taste; its a, uh, egalitarian qualities. Regardless of whether a pure or defiled stream feeds into it, it manifests the one taste of the ocean. The idea of not holding corpses is uh, explained as uh, as the elimination of self-power practices. This metaphor also reveals the fundamental purity of Amida Buddha's compassion. The ocean of Amida's primal vow has the power to trans- transform and purify all the defilements of sentient beings. This then is the relationship between the two aspects of practitioners and Dhamma. And there are two aspects of the same fundamental quality of the ocean's transformative power. What then is the structure of this transformation, uh, transformation, Tenjo, uh, in the same series of Wasan, Shin explains. Or uh, the next page number sixteenth, Kosowasan. Okay. Or uh, through the benefit of the unhindered right, we realize shinning of vast majestic virtues, and the eyes of our blind passions necessarily melt immediately becoming water of enlightenment, enlightenment. Here is a metaphor of ice and water, which is related to ocean. The ice of blind passion melts when the true and trusting, shinjin of other power is grasped. Shinran further says, the next uh, number 17th, Abstractions of karmic evil turn into virtues. It is like the relation of ice and water. The more the ice, the more the water. The more the abstraction, the more the virtues. It is very famous a hymn in Shinlan Soto. Uh, abstractions of karmic evil are blind passions and virtues are enlightenment or awakening. On the one hand, as the abstractions of karmic evil disappear, the virtues of awakening glow as well, because they are like ice and water. Ultimately when the same in the Yui Xin notes on the essentials of face alone are number eighteenth. Ashinas as says to be transformed means that evil karma, without being uh, nullified or eradicated, is made into the highest good, just as all waters upon entering the great ocean immediately become ocean water of the same tidal wisdom. The point here is that an ordinary foolish beings' karmic evil is transformed into good without being nullified or eradicated. As Shinran explains, uh, spiritual transformation is attained at the moment of the awakening of true Shinjin. In this very moment, when we recognize all of our karmic defilements, uh, we realize the wisdom and compassion um, Amida's, Amida's dynamic working. At the moment the wisdom of Shinjin given by Amida guides the practitioner to truly entrust Amida Buddha. Again, the point is that good. Good signifies that compassion and wisdom of Amida Buddha. Shinjin is originally the Buddha's mind. Therefore, Shinran identified the person of true and real Shinjin as having already attained the stage of non-retrogression in the Bodhisattva path, and called that passion the equal of tathagatas. Equal of tathagatas. According to Shinran, the person of Shinjin has gained the benefit of constantly practicing great compassion in the present life, in the present life. At the moment of obtaining Shinjin, the realization of the Buddhist past is accomplished within the hearts and minds of practitioners. Okay. To conclude my discussion on the metaphor of devotion in not thought, I would like to consider the intellectual and experiential roots of uh, why this metaphor in particular should be so important for him. Uh, Traditionally, Shin scholars cite the influences of the largest sutra of image of life, Dai Murio Jukyo, and uh, the Garan Sutra, and Tanlan Sutra. Uh, in order to understand the roots of Shinado Ocean metaphors, we must also turn to sources other than written text. In particular, his experience of exile from Kyoto to the distant province, uh, province of Echigo, Echigo, uh, present Niigata Prefecture, on the Sea of Japan, on the Sea of Japan. There are no written. Records of Shinran's daily life in Echigo, except for five words, in the afterword of the Kyogyo Shinsho, saying he had passed the period of five years. It's only five words. in Japanese uh, there However uh, the Japanese historian Mori Kichi Mori Kichi says uh, uh, please look at uh, uh, number 20 okay. uh, he said, the word of the Buddha is like the ocean, and likewise is that of sentient beings. It is not that there are two oceans, let alone the 32 kinds described, at least not as separate entities. There is only one ocean, only one ocean, from Xinlan's vantage point on land, the most water he could see would have been the Sea of Japan, visible on a clear day all the way to Sado Island from Kota Bay along the Naoetsu coastline. Uh, the Sea of Japan in winter often can produce anonymous waves, uh, and the powerful blizzard can turn everything while it minutes minutes, quickly suppressing the activity of all life. However, when spring came, the wind would die down and the sea would become calm again. Then uh, the limpid sea would stretch out for miles. Uh, following Mori Ryukichi, uh, Shinya Yasutomi, uh, Professor Shinya Yasutomi, suggests uh, the next page, uh, number 12, 21st. Uh, it is not difficult to imagine that Shinnan, who regularly came in contact with both and hardness and gentleness of nature, how deep in his consciousness, the image of this thing. This hardness and gentleness may have helped create Shinnan's image, of the two aspects of the Dharma, as practitioner and Buddha. Shinran thought, thought based on the tradition of Puran Buddhism, represents the systematization and the logical rendering of his own religious experience. His sensibility was deepened in the counters of Japanese life, in nature and helped to develop his distinctive perspective. Through his experience of exile, he came to grasp the transformation that is essential to nature through so the ocean metaphor. Moreover, if I am allowed to stretch my imagination, I might say that this transformation is illustrated in his metaphor of the transformation of ice into water, ice into water. Northern Japan and province of Echigo is known as a very snowy country, very snowy country. There are only a few places in the world where it snows more. This volume of snow is directly related to Echigo's location. The snow that falls there in winter melts, or, melts and runs into the rivers in spring and finally flows out to the ocean. The more it snows, the greater the flow in the rivers that is the more the ice the more the water the more the ice the more the water seeing the dramatic change changes of the sea of Japan Shina may have been inspired interpret the inconceivable power of transformation of Amida Buddha in terms of the ocean okay sir. I'm running out of time. I would like to put my conclusion into a few words. Mm. Uh, Metaphor is mm, pervasive in everyday language and thought. Uh, Metaphor is uh, one of our principal vehicles for understanding. Yet, no metaphor can be understood independent of human experiences. Shimran uses the uh, symbolism of ocean in numerous ways. For him, it was not merely a simple device to make it easier to understand his teaching or just an aesthetic embellishment in his writings. Rather, it is a living metaphor that conveyed his thought beyond words. Metaphor is not ornament. Of language. Metaphor is not ornaments of language, but can state truth as a semantic inno- innovation. Uh, and then, uh, uh, the metaphor works as a uh, um, uh, screen revealing truth. Those who interest working on the primal bowel art those who recognize that they are brains filled with blind passions, and they attain great nirvana just as they are, without eliminating blind passions. Here, we see the non-dual relationship between samsara and nirvana, deluded passions and enlightenment. That is, at the moment of attaining shinjin, the realization of the Buddhist path is accomplished within the hearts and minds of practitioners. The metaphor of ocean in Shinran expresses this fact through his experience. Uh, okay, my speech is, is, is successfully all over. Uh, mm, I'd be glad if this is of any help to everyone. Thank you very much uh, for uh, your attention. Thank you very much.